Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Tuesday. This is Seattle Now. If you find you're waiting longer for your coffee, you're probably not alone. There are fewer workers to get things done. And it's not just coffee. We're seeing a shift in workers entering and leaving the workforce. UW Public Policy Professor Jacob Bigdor is here to explain. But first, let's get you caught up. Seattle Times is reporting that Teresa Mosqueda has won in her race against challenger Sophia Aragon for that King County Council seat. Seattle City Council incumbent Tammy Morales leads challenger Tanya Wu by just 398 votes to represent South Seattle in District 2. In District 4, it's still tight too, where Maritza Rivera is leading Ron Davis by just 304 votes. In District 6, Councilman Dan Strauss widened his lead over challenger Pete Hanning. But in District 7, incumbent Andrew Lewis conceded to challenger Bob Kettle. In other election news, Thurston County became the sixth county to receive a suspicious envelope as election workers try to process ballots. The auditor's office said the envelope was similar to those sent to election offices in King, Pierce, Skagit, Snohomish, and Spokane counties recently. And Providence Regional Medical Center in Everett says it's brought in replacement nurses to care for patients during a strike that's slated to begin today. More than 1,300 nurses say they're striking for better pay and safer staffing levels. Union membership voted to strike after contract talks ended with no agreement last week. The strike is scheduled to begin today at 6 a.m. and run through 6 a.m. Sunday. Seattle has seen its share of layoffs and worker shortages in the last year, and the latest labor report out earlier this month shows close to a 50 percent drop in new jobs. That's not all inflation and the pandemic, though. UW public policy professor Jacob Bigdor says it's a sign of changing demographics in the workforce. There's really not a whole lot of precedent for what we're seeing right now. Uh, We have had, at least if you go back To the 1950s, the 1960s, we have had an era where we have had continual expansion in the workforce. Vigdor says historically the U.S. has added people to the workforce. We've had the baby boom, we've had immigration, and if you go back to the 50s, there were a lot fewer women in the workforce than there are now. And we made it to sort of an all-time high about 10 years ago, and now that percentage is declining. This decline is not only affecting who's looking for work, but how many new jobs are out there. One reason why we might not be seeing very many jobs added is because everybody who wants one already has one. And so if you're looking to hire somebody, it's harder to do that. You know, it takes uh, someone willing to hire and someone willing to work. And it may be the case that what we're seeing is a, a lack of people who are looking for work. Jacob Vigdor is here to talk about how this is showing up locally for employers and workers. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Jacob, you're talking about a big shift in what's been a growing labor force for like 50 years. So let's talk more about what's happening with newer and older workers. Yeah, I'd say the baby boom is in the midst of retirement. And so for most of the past 50 or 60 years, uh, the, the economy has been adding more workers than it's been taking away year after year. And that's because of demographics. It's because of immigration. Uh, it's because of the, the baby boom entering the workforce, if you go back to the 60s and 70s. But what's happening now is immigration is not as strong as it used to be. And we have the baby boom retiring. Uh, the number of 65-year-olds is now just about the same as the number of 18-year-olds in the United States. 
if you go back 50 years, it used to be we had two 18-year-olds for every 65-year-old, but the, the population's aging. That explains a little bit about the growth in the healthcare industry, Jacob Bigdor, all those boomer retirements. Yes, it does. We know that one area that is actually seeing a lot of labor shortages is the healthcare sector. Lots of needs uh, to work in long-term care. Uh, as the population ages, that's going to be a sector of the workforce that really is going to need to grow. That's really interesting, Jacob. Uh, I want to hear personally what you're learning from friends and colleagues about the worker shortage. What are you hearing like boots on the ground? What I have heard from my colleagues here at the University of Washington is that we would love to train more nurses and solve this nursing shortage, but we can't find the nursing professors to expand our programs here because if you can make money as a nursing professor these days, you can make even more money because you have the skills that it takes to actually go out and, and work in a hospital or a healthcare setting directly. In some cases, these shortages are just leading to real escalation in costs. Uh, they are leading, in some cases, businesses are, are having to deal with customers that are getting a lower quality of service than they might have once had. Uh, you know, if you go to an urgent care facility, for example, because you have some sort of injury or something like that, you may discover that you're waiting longer than you used to. You may be waiting longer for service in retail establishments. You may be waiting longer for service if you're going out to eat. And of course, the other thing that you're going to discover in addition to the, the service quality issues is that you're probably going to pay more. Yeah, yeah. So around here, we spend a lot of time hearing about layoffs in the tech sector, especially in the Seattle area over the past year. How are those workers managing right now from what you've been seeing? Yeah, well, you can ask the question, what's employment been like in that tech sector overall? Are we seeing unemployment tick upwards in the Seattle area because of the tech layoffs? And it's been invisible in the data. So while there have definitely been layoffs with some of the bigger tech employers around here, the data are pointing to most of those workers finding new jobs. And it may be that they are working for smaller companies, for startups. Uh, but because we have such a multiplicity of tech employers around here, if one firm lets you go, your odds of finding work somewhere else are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Let's talk about other sectors that have seen some growth. We already mentioned the healthcare sector, thanks to those boomers retiring. What else is seeing some growth? Yeah, well, around here, I'd say uh, there's there's been good growth in terms of our, our manufacturing sector actually is, is doing decently. Uh, Boeing is the big manufacturing company around here. Um, so, you know, for many decades, that's been a problem sector in the United States, but we've seen some stabilization there. Manufacturing has gone offshore for decades and decades. It's been out there in search of cheaper labor. And it's no longer the case that you can save a bunch of money on labor by pushing your activity outside the United States. And so that's keeping more of those jobs here at home. You know, let's talk about areas that might be struggling to get the most workers. Yeah, I'd say that if you had any kind of business that was relying on cheap labor, your business model is really struggling right now because it's so hard to find people you know, for these entry-level positions. Entry-level workers, if you think about where we get our low-wage workforce, it's typically been young workers, a lot of immigrants in that segment of the workforce. We have fewer young people these days than we used to because birth rates have been declining for a long time. And we have less immigration than we used to because that's sort of, uh, you know, although we do hear a lot of stories about what's going on at the border these days, 
um, the amount of legal immigration uh, for people who are on different kinds of visas is pretty low by historic standards. And so, yeah, if you're trying to hire somebody to wash dishes or, or just, you know, cook food, those people are harder to find. And if you're looking for that kind of worker, you're going to have to expect to pay more than you would have a few years ago. Fascinating. Jacob, I want to ask you how that's actually showing up here in Seattle. Is it uniquely happening here or are we just another cog in this giant wheel? Yeah, there's some aspects of the story in Seattle that are a little bit unique. We have very high housing costs. And so um, that is a factor in terms of, you know, if you're trying to find somebody who's willing to work for $20 an hour in Seattle, uh, you're going to be hampered by the fact that it's really hard to pay the rent on $20 an hour, even if you're working full time in Seattle. Fascinating. Well, I'll stop dreaming about leaving because it's just so darn hard here, Jacob Victor. What can we expect going forward with too few workers to fill jobs, not just in the near term, but farther down the road? Yeah, I'd say, you know, if you look at projections from the Census Bureau, what we're seeing right now, it's not a blip. This is going to be a trend that might it might prevail for the next 40 years. So so the census demographic projections through 2050 or 2060 suggest that there are going to be fewer and fewer people available to work as a percentage of the population because we're going to have more people at retirement age. They are living longer and they are going to need care and they're not available to work. So I think what you're going to see is we're going to have some technological innovation. So we're going to have more businesses that are trying to figure out ways to economize on labor because they just can't find people and the people that they can find are really expensive to hire. But you're also going to have to get used to certain things being more expensive. All right. Well, UW Public Policy Professor Jacob Vigdor, really appreciate that. Thanks so much for taking the time. Okay, you bet. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. 